Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Across the Cemetery. My name's Emma. And my name's Josh. And this week Josh is going to lead the episode, so take it away, Josh. Thank you. (laughs) So no matter where you're from in the world, there will almost certainly be a tale that is told and common knowledge among those in your area. Whether that be your specific town or city, right through to the country you're from, folklore is one of those subjects that gives humans that decidedly creepy edge over other species. It's also a Taylor Swift album. Yeah, of course it is. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, some of the tales can be innocent enough, providing nothing malevolent or harmful. But on the other end of the spectrum, there are some fucking weird stories out there that are passed down between the generations. Naturally, the granular details of these stories tend to alter and vary ever so slightly as time wears on, as they pass down from parent to child and peer to peer. But the core moral remains the same, often a cautionary anecdote designed to ensure the safety or good behaviour of those hearing it. But where do they come from? Even with the best of imaginations, surely there must be some inspiration taken from a real-life experience or being that gives that spark of an idea that turns into a story. That gruesome figure or terrifying event that becomes so sacred or scary in a person's mind that they feel it necessary to pass down the warning to their descendants. And what even constitutes a folklore? Oxford Dictionary says that it is the tradition, beliefs, customs and stories of community passed through the generations by word of mouth. Just saying, Oxford Dictionary says made me feel like I was writing an essay at uni then. (laughs) This definition would mean that the realm of folklore is not just restricted to the land of fairies and supposed mythical creatures, but a folklore could capture any narrative that may have been passed down from person to person over the years. As such, what I thought we'd do today is go over three particularly spooky folklores which I have found from across the world. Ooh. Try to determine what caused the story in the first place and maybe to see if we could take any warning from them. When I was little, my nan and granddad used to say to me if I picked a scab that it would turn into a pig's foot in the morning. <laughs> now you've got loads of pig's feet. No, no, I don't pick scabs. For that reason? Yeah. Oh. I, I, I know it probably won't happen, but I don't want to chance it. My nan used to say if you eat your crust on your, on your bread, you get curly hair. My nan said that too, and I've got the straightest hair known to man. <laughs> I ate my crust, and I don't have curly hair. You've got either, wavy so. hair, though. I would, I would, it doesn't constantly me with any enough crusts. Yeah. Maybe that's my problem. And if you eat carrots, you can see in the dark. Yeah, that, that's true. I don't really like like carrots. I'll eat them, but I don't, I'm not a big fan. I always bugged bunny in them carrots. I <laughs> walked them down. Now I can see, I can see through walls now. Whoa. My pyjamas glow in the dark and the banner that we've got downstairs. <laughs> I'm going to run. My shoes light up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I never had light up shoes. Deprived childhood. <laughs> Deprived childhood. Spooky folklore then. <laughs> okay. First one. So the first one has a couple of different names depending on where you read it or how you read it. So it's La Pisadera or A Pisadera. She who steps. Oh. Stemming from the bottom of South America, this Brazilian folklore is one that leaves the listener feeling a sense of unease and discomfort, even in their own home. You see, this being is said to stalk from the rooftops. She will stick to the shadows, ensuring she remains out of sight. Her presence will not be known until she wants it to be. 
She peers through the windows of houses, stalking her prey, watching as families indulge on their evening meals. She watches with intent and malice for those who choose to overindulge at the dinner table, taking and eating more than their fair share of the offerings. This is how she identifies her prey. Once a target has been selected, a pisadera will allow them to carry out their evening routine, watch TV, read a book, brush their teeth, all in a false sense of security that the walls of their own home are providing them with safety. It is when the victim has entered their bedroom, all the lights are out and they have gotten comfortable in bed that she begins her descent from the rooftops to wreak her havoc. As the greedy target drifts off to sleep in the comfort of their chambers, Apisadira's slender figure will enter the bedroom through the window. She is said to be cladded in ragged, filthy clothing. Her oversized, bony fingers are likely to be the first thing the victim sees as her yellowed fingernails grip onto the covers as the rest of her body clambers up the foot of the bed. Emerging from the darkness will be a face of worn skin topped with scruffy, matted hair that can only be achieved from years of neglect. Working downwards, Apisadira's eyes are said to be fiery red, the type of eyes that one could not forget, burning the experience into the victim's memory. Protruding from just underneath her eyes is a hawk-like nose, one not found on any human, which resides over a gurning mouth of jagged green teeth. In a pained fashion, The trespassing hag makes her way up to the victim, who at this point is fully awake yet has no control over their body. They can see what is happening and the horror of the figure that is approaching them, yet they are helpless. As Apisadira approaches, it is clear from the sinister grin on her face this is a source of enjoyment for her. She moves into position, Resting on the victim's bloated stomach, which came as a result of their sumptuous meal just some hours earlier. The final piece of evidence needed by the victim to confirm that they have been visited by a pisadera is the echo of a chilling cackle, likened to the Hollywood interpretation of a witch's laughter. (laughs) All of this leaves the motionless victim stuck in their bed, subjected to the torture of this thing perched on their hurting stomach. Fully aware of their surroundings and what is going on, but defenceless and at the mercy of Apisadira's will. It is said that there are two possible outcomes from a visit from Apisadira. One, she will begin to suffocate you by pressing down on your chest with such unworldly might that the victim is left in a paralysed state for the rest of their days, fully aware of their surroundings, but stuck in the same position, unable to move. The second outcome, If she feels somewhat merciful and does not completely suffocate you, you will wake up the following morning with a vague recollection of what has happened the night before. So, is there any way that one can protect themselves from being visited by such a being? Well, yes, there are two. Firstly, you can make sure you don't eat too much at the dinner table. That will be the most obvious choice. The second is a bit more ritualistic, but is said to work just the same. What you need to do is rub your feet together three times, then tap them, and this should ward off the being. Don't ask me how, but if you do eat too much, just do it. It might save your life. And lastly, where does a piece of deer come from? 
Well, this particular folklore doesn't seem to have a set figure or person that is the inspiration for the tale, but there is a twofold purpose. Firstly, and most obvious, is the moral of not being greedy. Clearly, the point of this is to make you share food at the dinner table and have your own fair share. But secondly, one of the points of this tale may be to give some personification to the sleep paralysis phenomenon. The logic behind this is that there is no set date on how old the AP Sedera tale is. And obviously, so long as people have been around, I imagine sleep paralysis has been suffered to some extent. This tale could have been a way for people to explain the sensation before the arrival of scientists and medical professionals came along and gave other very clever reasons as to why sleep paralysis occurs. But for those around in the days before acceptable scientific evidence, this story could have given them a sense of control and maybe helped them feel as though they knew a way to combat it. Why is she fat shaming people? For one, she doesn't brush her hair, and two, she doesn't brush her teeth. She's got green teeth and tatty hair. I don't think she's fat shaming. I think it's more a point of you need to make sure that you you share and you you have your fair share of food. Yeah. Every everyone at the table gets a piece. Yeah, well, you get that because some families like there are people who just eat everything. So now you're fat shaming. No, because some some people just eat because it's there, like pick at it and stuff. Yeah. In fairness, if there's food in front of me, I will just eat it. And yeah. even if I don't want it. You're not greedy, though. No, I, d- I, do, I do stop, I guess. Um, it, I think that came from like people with no mo- like not very much money as well, though. So now you call me poor and fat. <laughs> no, I feel like the, like they've said, like, oh, you can't eat loads tonight because the woman's going to get you. So, like... Yeah. So the morals of that story are very clear. But I think it's interesting, the second part, because obviously that is some form of sleep paralysis. Yeah. I... Th- I, I t- obviously there's no set evidence as to why but to me I think that is a way of explaining away sleep paralysis yeah. and I, I, th- I think but that's quite interesting why would they make the connection that because you've had too much you had sleep paralysis like why, why is that the first thing that they go to <laughs> maybe food was scarce for a long time yeah. in, in, in South America well, the reason at the start I was just at, why I've said South America at la and a is because apparently la is Spanish and a is Portuguese and they speak Portuguese in Brazil. Oh, uh, oh right. So the correct way to say it is ah. Uh, okay. Um, I don't think it's real. I think it is just sleep paralysis. And I think maybe if you've woke up drunk, it's when like you're in like a coma, food coma type of thing. Drunk and a food coma. No, you know when they wake up. Someone's and doing all right. You know when they don't know where they are. Yeah. I feel like they're in a little food coma or something. <laughs> okay. So you don't think that one's real? No. You don't think anything, there's, there's, there's no reason. I think it's just sleep paralysis, to be honest. Do you not think that, like, one, like, like someone really pissed off some old, haggard woman and she, like, stalked the rooftops for a while, just looking. looking she's probably fucking starving. So she sits on the stomach? Yeah, because then they won't do it again, will they? So there'll be more food for her next time. I wonder if she sits on the rooftop, don't be. Like a little birdie. Okay, I'll move on to the next story (laughs) before you start getting weird on us. Our next cautionary tale is passed down from the ancient Middle East. It is something that I think we have mentioned before but have not gone into too much detail about. Alleged to have been Anglicised into Western culture in the 18th century by translations of the book The Thousand and One Nights. 
The phenomenon of ghouls is one that have had different interpretations depending on which part of the world you're in. The Quran itself does not mention the existence of these creatures, but there are some quotes in a hadith of Muhammad giving advice on how to banish a ghoul. The texts also educate the reader that ghouls were beings that lived in pre-Islamic times and have been no longer permitted to exist by Allah. Although, this order from a higher power has not seemed to have stopped the tales of encounters from flooding in. With so many different interpretations of these beings from across the world, I thought it only right to stick with the common experience that takes place in the vast plains of the Middle East. Ghouls will often disguise themselves as attractive women, awaiting wary travellers to cross their paths. Once targets have been found, the ghouls will gain their attention by playing on whichever heartstring will lure their victim in. Be that acting as a damsel in distress or imitating a potential romantic encounter, the ghoul will be crafty in their attempts to capture their prey. And that is exactly what the unfortunate souls who come across ghouls are, prey. As when the target has been placed into a false sense of security, the ghoul will murder them and proceed to feast on their corpse. The true identity of a ghoul is something you may imagine to be of a cave dweller. Think Gollum from Lord of the Rings, although there is apparently one telltale sign that will expose all ghouls. It will be their hooved feet that despite being able to change other parts of their body, ghouls cannot escape their hooves. In Western culture, however, the folklore of ghouls does share some similarities to its Middle Eastern counterpart. Western ghouls are told to be of a similar image, a sort of humanoid figure with distorted limbs and discoloured skin that potentially came from their favourite pastime, digging up graves and eating the corpses from below. Yes, in the West, we allegedly think of ghouls as grave-robbing cannibals which does have some morbid perk as you probably won't ever see one as you'd be in the grave, dead, hopefully. So, is there any protection against ghouls and their shape-shifting antics? Well, yes, there is. But before I tell you what it is, it is worth remembering that this folklore is used around the world to warn children not to misbehave and not to venture out alone. So what is the defence mechanism against a ghoul? It is to s- simply strike them dead with one fell swoop. Yeah. As if a second strike is thrown, the ghoul will be brought back to life. <laughs> so the moral of this story is, make sure your kids are well behaved or very strong. Teach them to bitch laugh. Yeah, I think it's common knowledge in the 21st century that all children should have a strong pimp slap on them. <laughs> I've got no comment for that. Because <laughs> it's correct. <laughs> you don't need to take them to martial arts. Don't need to take them boxing. Just make sure they can run away from things and pimp slap. I mean, a pimp slap would probably do the works on a lot of people and a lot of things like a good pimp slap. A solid, like... Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking Snoop Dogg's interpretation of a pimp in the Starsky and Hutch film. I'm that type of pimp slap. I haven't seen that. You live a sheltered lifestyle. <laughs> sitting there watching Grey's Anatomy while you work all day. <gasps> Stop! What if someone hears this? <laughs> sitting there reading your files as you work all day. 
Um, I think that people probably do dig up graves, but I, I, I mean, I know people dig up graves, but I didn't, like people, I wouldn't say they eat them. Bit weird, isn't it? Well, you'd have to act quick people. as well. These are people. These are ghouls. I think that if they've got hooves, they're a bit like devil-like, aren't they? Like the goat that the devil. Yeah, I think that's part of the story is to sort of shed warning on. Yeah. Like people like that. Oh, not people like that, but. So they can like respawn if you smack them twice. Apparently, it, that, that from the Middle Eastern concept, yes. That would be good though if you didn't mean to smack someone and then you like shit the dead, so you just smack them again. And they're playing pressing reset on the yeah. controller or something. Yeah, yeah, when you turn the computer on and off again. Yeah, don't save that bit. <laughs> um, so we'll move on to our final Ooh. folklore being. Hang on, I didn't think they were real. Okay, well, let's leave this to the end. <laughs> We've got some discussion points at the end. You can come back to me with any, any thoughts or feelings. Okay. So, finally, our last piece of folklore for this episode is going to come all the way from the Far East, more specifically, Japan. The origin of this piece of folklore is somewhat tragic, as it is not much of a singular being, but more of a collective. You see, this beast is made up of the dead, those who have passed in mass death, be that famine, disease, or in battle. It is said that if the remains of these departed are not put to rest in the proper way and given a burial, their bodies will begin to decay until their skeleton is left. And when only the skeleton is left, they will join the Gasha Dekoru, which directly translates into English as starving skeleton. Aww. The story has it that this being is 15 times larger than that of the human body. Yet, you may never hear it coming as it has the power of invisibility and not to mention it is invisible to any attack. As, well, it's already dead. <laughs> if the folklore is to be believed, the Gasha Decoro won't appear until after midnight as it roams the countryside of Japan in an almost silent saunter. Yet... The rattling chatter of the skeleton's teeth are one particular sound that gives it away. Apparently the vibration of this sound is so deep that it may be inaudible or indistinguishable. Yet, if it is nearby, you will feel a vibration in your ears, signalling that you are not alone. But that is exactly what the monster is looking for as it roams the fields and farms, lone travellers trying to get to their destination via the moonlight. The ruthless aim of the Gasha Dekuru to decapitate their victim and drink their blood in a display of anguish and revenge for not being given a proper burial and remembrance. So is there any way to protect yourself from a violent end? Yes. Don't walk alone in the countryside after midnight in Japan. Because, unfortunately for us, mere mortals, the only people able to ward off a Gasha Dekuru is a Shinto priest. So, probably best not to risk this one. I feel like it's good practice to not walk in the countryside at midnight when it's dark on your own anyway. Yes, most definitely. But I think that is just like the key moral of this story yeah. is, is, you know... And people should alone. have proper burials. Yes, they should. Second moral of the story, I guess, or, or first, depending on which... What makes it go bigger? Because if it's, if it's hungry, how's it grown? It's not grown, it's 
a collection of people, out of all a collection of skeletons. Uh, so they just add together and add together, and uh, then it makes this huge I, I was just skeleton. thinking it was like what, you know, like on Shrek when the gingerbread goes massive. That's <laughs> the type. Make a big, make a big skeleton. That's what I was thinking. No, this one is. They just sort of like it's a collection of different deceased bodies that are yeah. combined together. Bit vampire-y, drinking blood. Yeah, it, it, but it is. It's not that person's fault who they've dr- used blood to drink in. They're not the ones who didn't bury them properly. Well, maybe it's just anguish on society, and that person is an easy easy target. But it's not very nice. No, it definitely isn't. And it's not very nice to not be buried properly either. You should respect people's wishes. Mm, very true. Amen. Amen. So, uh, three discussion points I've got. Number one. Which of the three above would you be most afraid of? So we've got, to recap, we've got the stalker on top of the rooftops that comes in to sit on your stomach if you eat too much. Yeah. And you can't do anything about it because you're paralysed. Yeah. And she may choke you to death. We have the second one, which was the ghouls, which is either a grave robin cannibal from the western part of society or in the Middle East, they are can be anything that will lure you while you're traveling but then they eat you as well but then they eat you as well Um, or third we have the oversized skeleton that will also decapitate you and drink your blood i'm not really scared of the oversized skeleton because i wouldn't walk alone at night on my own because women can't do that well one what you're remembering or forgetting sorry is you never walk alone oh okay Uh, you won the derby did you yes liverpool won today so Today, on the, on the day this day of this recording, it's the 21st of October 2023. Midnight Taylor Swift's a year old today. But more importantly, it was the Merseyside derby, of which Liverpool were victorious by a goal line of 2-2-0. Yeah, okay. Um, I wouldn't really be scared of the ghouls because I'm not a dead body. And if I was a dead body, you can eat me if you want, I don't mind. But in fairness... Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, come on. Um... I'm just, I would be scared of the, the main one, the first one, because sleep paralysis proper scares me, like it, it terrifies me, like I'm scared, I'm scared it'll happen to me, like sometimes I have bad dreams and wake up that like, I'm, like there's something in our room, so imagine something is in your room and you can't move, Yeah, you'd th- wee yourself. I think the first one is most scary because it's most relatable, not that there's like weird old haggard women yeah. hanging around the rooftop, it's more relatable because it's that of an actual person. It's not portraying a different being. So, like, yeah. the others are shaped. One is a giant skeleton that is 15 times the size of a human being, which yeah. obviously you'd be able to distinguish anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. The other is a shape-shifting goblin-looking creature. You just stay But that is always meant to have hooves. So, you'd if you've seen yeah. something with hooves, you'd know about it. You'd hear as well. Yeah, unless they had shoes on. Oh, yeah. I guess. They might have lost But, shoes. anyway... So, the, yeah, the first one. I think that would be the most scary. And we're all guilty of eating too much sometimes. Yeah. So, in agreement, the first one is probably the most scary. Yeah, and she needs to brush her teeth because her breath, better breath fucking stinks. Oh, I, I reckon that's like the most torture. She just sits there and like... <sighs> like when Fifi goes in your face and her yeah. breath fucking stinks. There's a mixture of like duck and turkey. <laughs> all that Purina coming out of you. And like that poo because she's had to learn poo. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Anyway, discussion point number two. <laughs> As folklore is essentially passed down stories, 
Do you think that they can be real? As most of them seem to give warning against something. Do you think that these stories could be legitimate? I know some of them sound a bit far-fetched, but do you think they could be? I don't think that they're like all true. I think they get expanded on when they when they're passed on. But I think like um like that first one, maybe some woman just jumped on their family member because they had too much at the dinner. Um like Lila Rona does obviously something happens. Well we know for a fact there was you'd have to go back and listen to the episode to find out. But... Um I read like the pig's foot one, like me what me grandparents used to say, that's obviously like if you if you pick it, it's gonna look worse in the morning. So yeah, so I wonder if somebody at one point picked the scab and then it was like such a bad wound that yeah. it, it, it like swelled or something and yeah. it looked like a pig's foot inside of the skin or something like that. And then maybe that's where a saying came from. I think it's like like um, like campfire stories. Though they all just add to it. Like they're probably not as bad as they were at the start, but then people add to it and then it gets ridiculous and it gets scary and then kids mm. get more scared of it. Would you not argue that that is then in like bettering a story because every time it's told, a little bit gets added or a little bit gets changed, and it's 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 making it better. It's making it sound better, but it's making it less believable. Okay, so you think potentially if these folklore stories or some of them were based on a true event, I think kids would be more likely to take that in. No, that's not what I was saying. Oh, I'm just, what I'm saying is if they were based on a true event when they were first told they were more likely to be realistic yeah at, and then as times passed and the further away from that event that it's based on we get from the more unrealistic the story gets yeah yeah it's like when people tell stories and then they keep adding bits to it every now and then like and then this fella came in and this fella jumped in and i batted this fella and then bloody um Philip the lizard fella came and turned around and that's yeah. Pete Price. That's who I was thinking of, Pete Price. Um, yeah, I think it starts off as a true event and then people just keep adding to it. Yeah, okay. I somewhat agree with that. And the final discussion point we have on this one is if you could leave your mark on folklore, what would your warning be and what type of creature would you have represented? I always uh, guarantee it's going to be a cat. It's going to be a cat, but a big cat. And it's going to get you. It's going to get you when you're eating chips or when you're eating a full English. And it's going to be like, no baked beans or no ketchup. And it's going to scratch you every time you even think about baked beans or ketchup. I think you need to add a bit of context to that. I'm terrified of baked beans and ketchup. Whenever we go out anywhere, I just say she's allergic to them because it's easier to explain to a person that she's allergic than say, oh yes, Emma cannot eat baked beans or ketchup because she is scared, like actually afraid. You can't come near me with them either. Yeah, we 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 don't have it in our house. No, it's banned from this house. Yeah, I'd rather like be possessed or something than have to eat baked beans. Legitimately. <laughs> what would yours be? Thanks for asking. <laughs> Bit of a pause there. I was just thinking about baked beans. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> I hate them. Ugh. And ketchup, but ketchup's not How as big much. would the cat be? Um, like... Like a tiger or like a house cat? Like Loki, but bigger, like... In between a house cat and a tiger then? 
yeah like not a not a tiger but a just a little bit bigger like but it can walk on like its legs. Like a bit le- of a bobcat size. But it, yeah, and it can walk on its legs, so it'll scare you. Do you walk on the legs anyway? No, right? like on its hand legs. And then it'll be like, <laughs> like Fifi. Okay. So it'll be Fifi's personality, but Loki's size. Okay. And it would scare you. And it will attack you if you eat beans or ketchup. Or if you even think about eating beans or ketchup. Oh, it's, it's bad day for Heinz today. So it's a rat in mind reader. Ooh, bitch, please. Fifi's got my back. <laughs> I don't know what my sort of warning would be. Like a football player or something. Yeah, football, how are you Wha- warning? He's a warm football up player. correctly or you'll lose the derby. <laughs> don't be evident and you'll win the derby. <laughs> um, I think the creature, I'd like it to be like a big snake. You love snakes, don't you? Yeah. I'm going to tattoo on my face and like drink loads of Monster and just like... And change your name to Kyle. Yeah, and just play <laughs> Call of Duty all the time. <laughs> you do anyway. I know I don't have own Call of Duty. I know. <laughs> well, our spare room's got snakes on the wallpaper. Oh yeah, this isn't the spare room. I looked at the wall and he was like, no, it doesn't. No, they've got This spots. is not the right room. Okay, um, so I want it to be like a big snake, not like the Basilisk on Chamber of Secrets. Mm. More, a bit smaller than that, but bigger than... A normal snake, so you know it's you know like shit. a python. Yeah, a lot bigger than that, oh. but smaller than the basilisk. Because I, I I want people to know, you know, when you, you see this this snake creature, you're like, oh shit, I've done something wrong, or something's about to happen to me. Well, what if it got bigger as as you got like if you if it was like your first warning and it was just like appeared like smaller, and then your second warning got bigger, and then your last warning bigger again, and then dead. I curtains. don't think it's so. Like, I think there'd be two levels of warnings then. I or three like, potentially. So you'd see it in the background, you'd never like it'd always be like hardening like your peripheral vision. Uh, before like before like strike that. one. Strike one comes and then you get a bit more of an intense vision of it. And then you do something naughty again and strike two comes and you see it properly, like full vision, like this is your final warning, motherfucker, stop it. And then strike three it, it, it strikes you and you die. But what was you be warning them against? Something that you can't do three times. It's naughty, something naughty. <laughs> something naughty, I guess, yeah. <laughs> you can't do it three times. Come on, what would it be? Um, you hate people who leave the last of their drinks, would it be that? Yeah, if you leave the last of your drinks. <laughs> or like in a can of Coke or something. <laughs> yeah, if you fucking hand someone a can of Coke and they only drink half of it, and then they leave and they don't take it with them. <laughs> and you're just like, well, I can't drink the rest of this, can I? What else I- do I'll you catch hate? your gems. I hate um, loads of stuff to be honest with you. I do hate loads of stuff, but none of it comes to mind straight away. Our neighbours. <laughs> if you're our neighbours, you're not in strike for it already. I don't hate our neighbours. I'm only messing. Um, people not picking the dog poo up outside. That was a that was a recent one. Oh uh, yeah. Because I nearly flew out the front door before because Emma was on the ring camera. <laughs> thinking, oh, someone's just letting the dog have a poo outside and not picking up, and it turned out they weren't even probably having letting the dog have a poo. It was they a were, they were doing something. A dog was stationary outside our house for more than ten seconds. No, do Although I love dogs. If you're cruel to dogs or cats. Okay, yeah, that sounds like fair. If you're cruel to animals, dependent on how. If you like care Zumo and then you don't get strikes, you just get strike three Full straight gone, away. Yeah. But then like if you like if you look let, at it funny, yeah. that's strike one. 
You always look at Loki funny. He's a bit of a dickhead though, isn't he? No! He is. He does some silly things. He's just cute and a bit slow. Uh, update on Loki. He found his ho-ho mouse. I'll make Emma put a, a, a picture of it on, <laughs> on Instagram. Mouse. We've, yeah, we found ho-ho mouse. We rearranged some furniture and ho-ho mouse has been released from its dungeon. He's got a mouse that says ho-ho-ho on it, but we don't call it the ho-ho-ho mouse. We call it the ho-ho mouse. And yesterday he got stuck in a drawer. <laughs> Emma rearranged was t- was organising the drawers, pulled it out of the like the chest. Loki had must have climbed into the back of the the fucking cabinet, and then she's put her fucking drawer oh, back stop. in, and he's climbed into it as she's put it back in. And we hadn't seen him for a little while. It was about two hours. And we were just like, Where, <laughs> we where's the film? Lo- where's Loki? Well, we watched half of it. <laughs> we like, oh, where's Loki? He's been gone for a while, hasn't he? And then we were walking upstairs and they find it, and we there and they go. Oh no! We opened the loft and went outside and everything. Yeah, like, oh, wait, what's he doing? Where's he gone? And then I was looking behind and the, down the side of this cabinet, and it, Emma pulled open the bottom one because she'd been in it, oh. and he was just lying. He, he was looked, comfy as he fuck. He looked very comfortable, but he couldn't get in and out on his own accord. Oh, and Fifi was so happy. She was like, "Oh my god, I'm a, I'm an only child now. I love this." <laughs> but after that traumatic event, they both got dreamies. Yeah, they did get dreamies, and then Fifi threw them up. But. I, this is sort of like went off tangent massively. <laughs> um, but yeah, folklore. There you have it. Bit of a shorter episode this week, actually. Because it's our anniversary, so. Just dealing with the hangover. Yeah, even though we haven't drank. Yeah, but. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you can get a hangover from life. Yeah, that is really deep, that. Mm. Okay, on that bombshell. <laughs> we might not be here next week. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> if you eat ketchup or beans, you won't be. Or Kertzuma. Yeah. Don't eat Kertzuma, but if you Kertzuma the cat. Or if you eat too much, you go to sleep and never wake up. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Um, if you have any of your own stories or folklores, or particular interest in folklores, because there are many that you could go into for quite quite a while. Or like in your area as well. I love no- Nordic ones, but yeah. I tried to stay away from them because we did a lot of them at Christmas. Yeah. But it's Christmas again soon, so I might go over some more. Christmas soon, but it's Halloween first. Yeah, it is. Week on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Anyway, tangents, stop it. <laughs> if you have any of your own stories you'd like to let us know about, then you can email us at acrossthecemetery at gmail.com. We're on X and TikTok at AXTheCemetery and Instagram at acrossthecemetery. And if you'd like to leave us a review, it would be very beneficial for the podcast and we'd also love to hear what you think. Um, you can leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to us on, but make sure it's nice, okay? Or the big cat and the big snake will come get you. <laughs> That's mine and Josh's weekend name. <laughs> 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 I'll let you decide which one's which. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>